This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors. And today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Join the Breakfast Club today as we enter into an Iron Maiden to deal with some risky business. As the Kuroki visit as Terminators, can Marcus step up into the role as Robocop to say hasta la vista to their attackers? Or will their new hope not last as Jaden loses a hand and has his life turn into a bunch of wasted years? We're talking about that and more tonight, so look into my eyes and don't let your soul leave your body because we're never going to give you up. Tune in. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV. The ESPN of TV Talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Deadly Class After Show as we discuss Season 1, Episode 4. Did you Rickroll us? I might have, just a little, okay. little, bit, little bit of Rickrolling going on. We're talking about mirror people. Uh, and we'll talk about why we think the episode was named that title uh, as, we, as we move forward into the episode a little bit. We're going to be breaking down with the detention. Uh, we got the library, the golden chest, uh, Kuroki coming into the clutch and doing some bad stuff. Lynn and his wife, girlfriend, side chick. Partner. Partner. Side chick. Partner. Maria, safe. <laughs> Maria and Willie and Chico, Marcus and Saya, and of course, Billy in the backstory. Billy in the backstory. We're talking about it all here today on the Deadly Class After Show, but I'm not talking about it alone, even though it may seem that way sometimes when I talk too much. We have my amazing co-hosts. I have Raven French next to me. Hello. Angelica Trey. Hello. And Veronica Valencia. Hello. To my left. Stephen Lemieux. Thank you for introducing me and throwing to me, Veronica. We're going to be introducing... A pun jar on this show. If you've ever followed us from the Sleepy Hollow After Show, that is a thing where every time we say a pun, we have to put money into it. Uh, We will add it up tonight, but we'll bring in an actual jar next week. We're also going to have a swear jar, so talking about fuckface is definitely going to have a lot of money. And we'll figure out what we do with it at the end of the season, but hopefully you guys enjoy, and I know we have a lot of people who uh, are joining us from previous shows that should kind of remember these small things from our other podcasts. Do puns from the show count? Puns from the show count, if you say them. Saya Nara. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. When Chico cents. said that. 50 I'm cents. Writing it down. You're writing it down. Keep a tally mark, guys, because it's going to be crazy. And yes, fuckface counts. So let's go ahead and get our overall thoughts of the episode before we dive in. Uh, let's go with Veronica last because you've read the comics and mm-hmm. this is going a little chronological, so I don't want to give anything away. Angelica, what do you I really enjoyed this episode. It was looking a little bit further into some of the backstory, some of the uh, familial sort of stories of these characters here. A little bit um, looking into Saya's mysterious background, as well as some parentage here. I thought it was kind of interesting just looking with Billy and Petra and things like that. So 
adding a lot of really, really nice dimension to these characters. I really liked this episode. Cool. Raven, what'd you think? Super emotional. <laughs> it was super emotional. Um, I didn't want to cry because I felt like I'd be weak for crying because you guys laugh. But <laughs> learning about the backstories is sad today. <laughs> You exposed me for laughing at dark things. That's how I deal with tragedy. Through humor. Sorry, that was private. (laughs) But yeah, it was good, but emotional. What did you think, Veronica? Uh, Two things. From last week's preview, I was a little nervous that this was going to go full-on Breakfast Club, and I honestly would have been slightly disappointed if it had done that. I know people love that movie. I know people love the references, but frankly, I'm kind of over it, so I'm very happy it didn't go full on that direction. I think this episode had great moments of giving us uh, backstories to help flesh out these characters a little bit more and great performance by specifically uh, Lana Condor and Liam James who portray Saya and Billy. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was probably one of the best episodes this season so far. Everyone in agreement? I agree. Yeah, yes. yeah yes. I thought everything yes. made sense. Everything wasn't like... I, all right, I'm going to say 95% of things made sense. My one gripe is that they started a dirt bike in the hall, and then, then like... That's this, like 50% they, with just all of yeah. the bad decisions they yeah. kind of were making. I was like, wait, you're going to be super quiet coming through the hallway, but then you're going to do a dirt bike right down the hallway? The, other, the only thing... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline that I can think of is that the Kuroki Warriors had already come through and they were dealing with that and that's why they ignored the dirt bike. So there is an explanation, but it just kind of took too long for the Kuroki Warriors to get from Yeah, fighting. still not accepted. There's that. some yeah. like 15 minute long epic fight scene between the cloaked monks and the Kuroki Warriors going on that we're just not <laughs> you, aware of. You were really upset about that. <laughs> I was like, just like, why are you making noise? Well, I was <laughs> upset that they got past at all. Even crossing them when they were in the making their hot pockets is that what they were? I think they were making hot pockets. Maybe yeah. maybe the hooded figures can't hear very well, but they can uh, the, see the very very well. The hood is very soundproof. Yes. Exactly, I but really, they can see. I really want to know how long that hallway is from where that room is to where that uh, cage room is. Must be pretty long, right? You would think, but I have a feeling it's not. Yeah, I have a feeling it's like 10 feet, and the Kuroki Warriors are just, like, watching. I was waiting for there to be something, like, super mundane in the room that they play with, like a Jenga tower or something like that. Like, that got taken away from a student at some point. But, you know, uh, I think the, let's let's point out some of the things we saw in, in the, the golden chest, because uh, obviously they go to the library for detention. Chico gets put in his place by Lin. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen, but... Before we get to the golden chest, what did you think of the dynamic in the library where everyone's kind of talking to each other and not trying to kill each other? I liked it. I liked the moment, um, Lord, the Marcus. Marcus. Yes. <laughs> and Chico had where they actually clapped hands and had their little moment. I was like, oh, is this going to be a friendship? But then, yeah, no, it's not. It's definitely. not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we saw we saw a nice, I, I wouldn't want to say nice moment, but it was definitely a little refreshing to see Marcus and Chico interact right. in a way that wasn't completely at each other's throats for once. Mm-hmm. 
And we saw Chico get a little, I guess, vulnerable um, a little bit later on, but obviously I digress, just going from the main original scene, watching everyone sort of interact with how they were bored was also interesting, and to just adding insight into each character, you know, Saya with her strings, and Marcus with his notebook, so I thought that was pretty neat as well. Yeah, I have to agree. I thought it was really interesting to see them all in kind of like this element where they don't really have to put up fronts because it's just them. They're Mm -hmm. not around all of their cliques and all their other groups, so it was just them. And I kind of found it funny, especially for Chico, just because throughout the episodes we've seen so far, Chico is very... You know, he tries to act really tough and thinks that nothing can hurt him, and the fact that he shut up right away when Lynn barely said anything, I thought was very interesting, just because I'm like, wow. I don't know. Obviously, I feel Lynn is tough and not someone to mess with, but I feel like, I don't know, Chico just doesn't care at all, and he wouldn't care what Lynn had to say and wouldn't fear him. So I thought that was funny. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this scene was that it humanized Chico in a way that I don't feel like he's going to die immediately anymore. This is like the first time where I feel like Chico's going to be around for a while. Do you guys know what I mean? Yeah, no, Chico is an interesting character, I think, because he... We start him off feeling kind of bad. We don't like his character a lot, but I think the fun part with him is that we can possibly see, you know, we've seen a lot of, um, you know, media before where maybe we see a good character go bad. Maybe Chico's going to have some redeeming qualities. Maybe we'll see a little bit more dimension get added to his character more backstory, like I said, we saw a vulnerable moment from him today. We, we can talk about it. We don't have to, like, skip around too much. Oh, okay, where he reveals, you know, his uh, little brother, you know, with uh, his little brother passed away and things like that. And um, we might see Chico sort of become a redeeming character. I'm not completely sure. Yeah, you are giving me a skeptical <laughs> face right. here, Steven. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is that the skeptical face? That is the skeptical face. It's like it's like a split second of oh. Chico seeming like a human being, and then he goes right back to being an a hole. Yes. Well, he, it's a, it's an a hole, but I think a lot of qualities that he shows, especially where he's kind of running away and hiding, those are just negative qualities of humanity that a lot of us have, and he's just a reflection of if, that. If it was just this episode, She's I could agree sweet. with you. But, like, <laughs> we just saw him, like, bring somebody to the back of his car and shoot him in the head in front of his girlfriend. The way he treats Maria and things, I don't think we're setting him up for any redemption at all. Aww, I think He's not perfect. But yeah. I think every every human has redeeming qualities that put make them a human, but it's the actions that they do. I'm going to ask you something right now. I want you to put your put your handless soul in the, in the body of Jaden right now and ask if Chico has redeeming qualities. Jaden. 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 Okay. Yeah, that was see this is what I'm saying is he represents a lot of negative characteristics that we don't like, like fear, you know? Okay. He threw him aside in fear. Fear, you know, maybe that Maria is going to leave him. He does a lot of this stuff. He's a character that embodies fear. To me, at least. And then okay. he puts on the facade, the machismo, and it came down during this episode. He embodies fear, so he likes to emanate it. Overcompensate. Like, make other people feel the way he feels. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So that's... he uses fear as a tool. So he, if he were going to embody Chico, it says fear. And we could say that about Marcus's least favorite thing, the thing he resents the most, bullies. 
That's a very common thing. You know, they always say bullies have a lot of fear and they reflect that. They, they project that. So. so do you see Chico being a character that's killed or do you see him dying saving people? Mm. Killed. Killed. Wait, not you, Angelica. <laughs> I'm thinking. He's not saving anyone. <laughs> you never know. He wouldn't save Maria. He might save Maria. He definitely mm-hmm. didn't save Jaden. Well, he doesn't care about Jaden. He cares about his tribe. If you it know? came down between him and Maria, I don't think he's going to save Maria. Maria! <laughs> he's going to always we'll, look out for him. We'll see. We'll see with Chico. I think Chico, as people in the chat are saying, will die in the finale of this season when they're trying to kill the rats. Mm. I root for that. I don't think he can get over his... his need to demonize everyone else for his own safety. Even if he is the embodiment of fear, I don't think fear necessarily gives itself easily to redemption. I think fear gives itself easily to making more and more mistakes and falling further down the path of fear and the mistakes that lead from that fear. Um, I want to take this moment to talk about uh, how your theory with fear in Chico pertains to everything that Marcus said in the beginning of the episode, where he talks about, like, You know, when you're living, you have a certain truth, and then the experiences you have mold that truth into something that's now a falsehood to your previous self. But that truth exists, but now you disagree with it. So now your truth is gone. I thought this was a really poignant statement because it applies to everyone regardless of what that is. If you try to take a moment to think, how did you, Veronica, or you, Raven, or Angelica, as a 14-year-old person or 15-year-old person putting yourselves in the shoes of these characters... Think of the world and what was your truth of that time compared to all of the knowledge that you have now and what your truth of that time compares to now. Was it a truth or was it just a flawed opinion of the world? <laughs> we have Pastor Stephen over here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Fia is gone to guide you to the darkness. But we have a new hope. We're going to lose a hand and say that we're going to fall down on the planet after Darth Vader reveals he's my father. Um, Sorry. Okay, I apologize so for that tangent. What's <laughs> getting going a, on over here? Getting <laughs> a little philosophical here. A little, like, a... a this psych- show is philosophical. Psychological, yes. Um, so going along with that, you're saying... Basically what your statement is, is that... Or what you're asking here is that... Uh, we are ever-changing, you know, and, and what is truth and what is reality, or what quite are you asking, Stephen? I'm I'm just asking if there's any truths, because you're right, I phrased that question very rhetorically, uh, and <laughs> yes. directed it A right at you. Um, I'm asking if there's anything that you can think of, like, philosophically that you thought when you were young that hasn't been altered in some way, shape, or form, now becoming an adult. I don't, think any of us can, altered. I don't think any of us can yeah. say with a fact that something we thought was an absolute truth when we were younger is now an absolute truth in our adult life. Except for, like, the sky is blue and things of that nature. Because when, when you're looking at a character that's redeemable, redemption must come from the actions that they take. And Chico's actions aren't le- le- leaning him towards being redeemable. I think his actions are leading him further down to prove his truth correct, that he should fear everybody else, and that she- he should put himself at the height of everything over everybody else. The truth that he's... That he embodies fear, the truth that he thinks he's, like, the top dog. The truth that he thinks he's the top dog and that he needs to be above everyone else. Because what I I thought was really poignant with this episode was the speech that Marcus gave in relation to what we discussed last episode. And last episode was all about Lynn and Lynn's and Jurgen's struggle with what is the truth of King's Dominion. 
And has that truth been altered in some way? And Lynn goes into it further in this episode where he says that uh, he fears that he's been the one who's been playing into it and that his truth has been altered. But what is truth in, some, in that every truth can be altered when you believe in it for long enough? Does that make sense? Sorry, I, yeah. I don't want to be rambling, but it's also like a hard thing to put into words. Right. So uh, what you're saying is this: the last couple of episodes have really been digging... Um, it's what their heels. I, I don't yeah. know quite how to word that into the concept of what is truth and is everything changing? And therefore, I guess the reality of things are changing. Like you said, with the Lynn um, comment yeah. that he said earlier in that kind of vulnerable scene between him and his partner, it definitely reminded me of what was it? Frederick Nietzsche said, mm-hmm. you stare into the abyss long enough. The abyss stares back unto you. Or as my friend, um, was it, Bane? Was it Batman? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Said, yeah, uh, similarly, you either live long enough to see yourself uh, become the villain or you die the hero. Yeah. In some different, uh, I guess, wording. But, no, you, you said it right. Um, that definitely reminded me of that when, when Lynn mentioned it. And so we're seeing kind of Lynn falter a bit uh, in this last episode, especially with Jorgen in, in the previous episode. Um we're seeing a lot of introspection here. Well, I was, well, I mean, I was just going to say, I think that's just something that everyone on this show has struggled with so far is like, what is their truth? And I feel like Marcus is coming in, maybe thinking that he's the only honest one in this entire school. And as we especially saw this two episodes ago, when he got on Willie's case about lying about everything. And so, but it just goes to show again, what kind of worlds they each come from where I guess Marcus really values, you know, being honest and having humanity because of where, you know, everything he missed out on life that these people have, and they're living these facades for whatever selfish reasons. So I think it doesn't look good for Marcus because the way the writing has been taking it is we're dealing with this act of the universal truth changes as it's exposed to experiences, which I think we can all agree on is kind of what they were talking about. And the universal truth of King's Dominion has changed over time. And Marcus says himself that the universal truth that you believe in as a child changes into something else, and it now becomes a falsehood in your adulthood. And then we're also dealing with nature versus nurture, which is uh, a topic they bring up in this episode when they're all in the library. And I just want to... I mean, we can go around the room and say it right now and say, do you believe that you're innately born with a scale of morality that you're set to or your upbringing changes that. Uh, And each of us probably has a different vision of this, but I'm curious to see what you all think. I think you are born with it, but I think your upbringing changes that. So you think think you are, we're all born on the same moral level and then our upbringing changes that. Oh yeah. I I, I think it's something that's learned actually. Like, uh, morals, ethics, all of those are learned. They're not completely innate. That's why we have, you know, that's why we have a lot of things uh, with children. You know, they do a lot of naughty things They before they start learning awareness and things like that. They'll do things like lie and stuff like that. And we teach them that. We teach them those morals. So I definitely, I have a little bit of a different take on that, I guess. So let's go into uh, Lynn's version of agoge which is the spartan training program because i believe this pertains to the same kind of concept of nurture versus nature and i think the spartans were firm believers in 
in uh, nurturing changes the aspect of their life. Because when we're looking at a show where we're talking about the universal truth, you need to form somebody's universal truth to be able to even make it whatever you want it to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, Agoge, let's go ahead and run to Wikipedia, because that's where all facts are born. Uh, when a boy is born, he's washing the wine in the belief that this would make him strong. Every infant was then examined to decide whether they were allowed to live or die. So there was no difference between the infants. And then they also basically um, gave them tests that would kill them by exposure or survival and run them through these gauntlets of things that would kill them so then all the soldiers were exactly the same in the end. So what's interesting is Lin putting everyone in the room and using his own agoge or whatever, however it's pronounced, to try to make everyone in the room more similar. And I think this really comes out when you have them actually having the dialogue between the characters that are so different And now they're ending up on even playing fields later in the episode. And Chico seems to be the only one who fails the test, per se, because everyone else seems to bond on some level. If you look at it, Petra and Victor have a moment. When you look at it, Marcus and Sai have gotten so much closer together. And when you look at it with uh, Jaden, he's gotten so much closer with death that we don't even know. (laughs) But Chico, I believe if we're going to view this detention as an agoge, I feel Chico's the one that failed the test. Hey, Chico had a moment with Marcus, okay? He, he did. He did, but then he threw Jaden to the wolves and then escaped on his own without letting anyone else and know. And closed the gate and everything. He's scared. Scared. <laughs> I also scared. This, this was another moment where I was just like, was this a smart decision? If Lynn is training a, an academy full of assassins, did he really not think that there wasn't a possibility they could easily get out of that room and just, they had no supervision. Yeah, I think it's kind of yeah. like, as they said before, there was a previous class that escaped the room and went to detention, or went to the golden chest. I think it's like, from the show, they don't care that much. Again, don't get caught. And I think the lesson in this was don't get caught. Because if they were going to do it, you're putting, you're putting somebody in a room and begging them to try to escape. Literally everything they did up until the Kuroki came was begging to get caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that was Lynn's purpose, was training them to not get caught. It was a training exercise, just as everything else is in this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. If you that. guys disagree, like, definitely let me know. I, I no. think that's an interesting point. I actually didn't fully think that one through until you just said that. So I was like, yeah, I definitely... I mean, it seemed like the door was a little hard to break down, but maybe if Master Lin knew that Marcus was a master lockpick. But he does know that because (laughs) he he watched it on camera when they flooded the gas with the systems. That's true. So basically, moral of the story, don't get caught. Don't get eliminated! (laughs) (laughs) So the golden chest was an interesting scene because they were flooded with all this propaganda, or not propaganda, uh, contraband is the word I was looking for. Uh, contrabanda. Contrabanda. <laughs> we get great banter between, like, what is Robocop? He's half man, half machine. Which half? <laughs> I, I like the banter. I like the 80s world building that they've been doing for us. It's been great. What was your favorite part of this whole scene before the karaoke come in and kill my boy Jaden? Jaden. Jaden. Rip times. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Probably Marcus and Chico having some kind of like light, playful competition with like the what sock and boppers wannabes, (laughs) like whatever those things were. What is that called? I always Q tips. They're like the 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 Q tips. -tips. 
I shouldn't say sock and buck. Spartan warrior Q-tips. Q-tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever that was. Probably that, just because it's like, oh, you're being playful with each other. Again, another moment of them kind of being on equal playing fields. Being high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Being high schoolers, yeah. yeah. I mean, luckily, what are they going to do? Throw grenades at each other? Yeah. I also, <laughs> yeah. I, I, point, I pointed this out when we were watching this, but I also really want to know how Lex is not in detention. Yeah. I, I feel would, like he would live there. Oh, yeah, and I feel like he was equally as catchable as Petra and Marcus in that whole thing. Also, is this the first time they've been to detention? Because everyone seemed, like, totally knowledgeable about it, especially Chico when they come, like, I'll see, I'll see you in two days, baby. He already knows what detention is. This mm-hmm. is the first time people tried to break out? Maybe there's just, like, Maybe the, rules that nobody know. knows lockpicking except for Marcus. I guess not. Guess 100 lockpick. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> A Skyrim. Okay, uh, move on. <laughs> oh, me? Uh, yeah. My, I, okay. Favorite part. I had favorite lines that come up in my head. The three finger line, I liked. Oh, oh that was God. great. In my kufkuf. <laughs> yeah, what did he call it? Kumfus? It was a kumfut or something Skuf, like that? Skufa? I don't know. Shamwa? Is this Russian? Are we going to know Russian by the end of this whole season? <laughs> we we should, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> three fingers in my cac de la. <laughs> Okay, I didn't think this was hilarious, but I didn't expect Saya to out herself. That dude was a pledge. I didn't mm-hmm. expect that, so I was wondering, is that allowed? I don't know. I think it's interesting. It might be something that Marcus gets involved with later. He might become pledged to somebody else, which would be very interesting, because if Marcus got pledged to Willie later on, with Willie being a pacifist, that would be a very interesting dynamic to play with. Are you saying mm-hmm. you're surprised that Saya revealed to yeah. Marcus yeah. that... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we all thought that was a secret, or at least I did. Yeah, I thought it was too. It was done in such a covert... Right, clandestine yes. mm-hmm. way yeah. that when we saw... Shufla. When she just casually <laughs> dropped that later, I, maybe she was... Just trying to set Marcus straight, like, no, I don't have a crush on you or something like that, but it was oh, definitely but a moment where we were all thrown off a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. A little bit. Um, you know what I was thrown off by? I was mm. thrown off by the lack of likes on this video. Yeah. And you know what I think we can do? need. I, I think we need more likes. I think, I think if we're we need watching right now. I think we need a lot more likes. So, hey, guys, like. before we move on to our next topic, we just wanted to say thank you for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. And for us to continue to grow, we can use your help. Give us more likes. Because <laughs> if you are <laughs> yes. on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a five star rating. Also, leave us comments because we love seeing all of your comments. But no matter where you are, that's what I just said. Leave us a comment so you can get involved in the conversation. Being a part of AfterBuzz TV has meant so much to all of us. It has helped us grow. It has helped us start and grow into our careers. It kept Jane alive for at least three episodes. It did. It did. Maybe maybe he'll come back as a ghost. I Who hope knows? so. Jaden. As a, as a flashback of Jaden. <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. I, because the fans are talking about it so much. Use his corpse as furniture. They're good oh. at that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> have a new fountain installed. We will remember you, Jaden. We will always we will. remember Jaden. And like Jaden, we appreciate his support <laughs> in, in helping us do what we love. So don't forget to tell your friends and keep enjoying all of our shows. Enjoying this show. There you go. Um, I do want to say, guys, if you are a fan of this show, it really helps us out to hit those likes, hit the subscribe, Mm -hmm. and comment after the video's over. Your comments in the live chat don't get saved, so the comments afterwards do. 
And let me tell you, we got some really awesome guests lined up. And mm-hmm. we have so many awesome guests that we don't even know which episode they're coming on because they're all fighting over which episode they want to be on. So this is a wonderful problem to have, It's a everyone. great problem because for sure we're going to have Maria on the show and for sure we're going to have Benjamin on the show and for sure we're going to have Liam, uh, who's Billy, and for sure we're going to have... Um, Luke? Uh, Willie as well. And we're going to have... Fuckface. Let's just bring everyone on, honestly. Let's just pack like the, the, the entire Can we just have them on at the same time? We'll yeah. see. But yeah, we guys, we guys bring stay in the tuned. goats. Subscribe to this podcast. You guys have why a you lot bring of up guests. The goats? <laughs> so guys, sorry. Why are we talking about Tom Brady right now? <laughs> I'm no. sorry. Oh, uh, shout out the chat, Renji90998, Marvin Richardson, Madison May, a silent koala. A silent koala, that is a great one. And of course, Nas and Chase Daughtry. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the show, and we really appreciate you being in the live chat. Please share this on Twitter and share oh, this with your friends. I just want to shout out a silent koala, koala liking this video because it's my birthday today. Happy birthday. And you guys want to know birthday. a fun fact? You know who else's birthday it is today? Jaden. Who? My daughter. <laughs> Penny jar for every time we bring up Jaden. <laughs> Uh, no, Marcus. Oh, it's Marcus. Benjamin Wadsworth's birthday. Huh? No, the actual character. Oh, the actual Marcus. character. Oh, Marcus's character. Marcus's well, character, February 6th. A silent birthday. koala. You are a little bit closer to Marcus's character. Than we ever awesome will character. be. Yes, exactly. I'd say we'd give him a round of applause, but Jaden already gave him a hand. All right, so <laughs> it's good. I'm going to keep going for it. That's a punch right there. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm going to do that, but because we don't have the jar today, I'm just going to yell it. Pun! Jaden jar. We're going to have a Jaden jar. Can we have a moment yeah. of silence for Jaden, and then we can Jayden. move on? Oh, Jaden. It's a moment of I'm silence, Edge. <laughs> All right, he doesn't get a moment of silence. Let's move I on. Karaoke Warriors, um, which is also the name of the Warriors from The Last Airbender, I believe, when he, you know, from the island, the Karaoke Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh... Sorry, that came to mind just now. Such a great show, though. Very good show. We should cover it. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about them. Obviously, these are people associated with Saya. They're the people that... What's his name? Yukai? Yukio. Yukio decided to screw over Saya with at the end of last episode by sending a box full of money or whatever. Um, Yukio reports that they're going to detention. There's going to be no guards in the library for the next two days. Which... Okay, there's only two incompetent monks on site for this entire school, which is good to know. This is like Dr. Evil's damn secret island hangout. They were eating Hot Pockets. They were slightly distracted. Hot Pockets! Is is there another jingle after that? You're gonna die! (laughs) I mean, that's what it should be. Like Jaden. Like (laughs) Jaden. Jaden hand-flavored Hot Pockets. Aren't they great? Ew. Ew. That's <laughs> oh, it's Kyoshi Warriors from Airbender. What? Okay, they're based on... Anyway, Kuroki Warriors come in. They We find out they're Saya's cousins. And then, obviously, we don't have to recap fight scenes, but damn, Marcus took a nice concussion. But can I just say, he got the long end of that stick of, like, out of all the things to happen to you... That's all you get. That's all he gets. Yeah, he gets a little bop on the head. He Poor does Victor. not give up, Marcus. Poor Victor, poor Petra. Mm-hmm. Man, that sucks. But it, am I wrong for saying that was kind of romantic, how they were laying next to each other? Is that weird? I mean, I always like to sweet talk and say, let me look into your eyes to see the soul leave your body. Ooh. This is some Ted Bundy romance going on <laughs> wow, right now. Wow, yeah. Love it. In the nature <laughs> of their school. 
That was romantic. It, yeah, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank romantic. you, Raven. It, it was a little romantic. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't think weird. it was romantic. I just think Petra, for everything that's happened to her, kind of last episode really realized that she wasn't alone because the rats had her back and I think in this desperate moment of almost dying again she just didn't want to be alone I didn't see it as romantic I saw it as you're my last resort I guess I'm gonna be with you she was vulnerable she told her story which was dark very dark I think she has dealt with death and I think it's from the same thing that her father got from and we'll talk about her backstory probably right now actually the same thing her father got from looking into the eyes of her mother I think she got from looking into the taken out eyes of her mother because as she's facing death she doesn't seem to care and she says that her father said like when you watch the soul leave somebody's body through their eyes you just stop caring about death and victor is very visibly like scared and he says he's done bad things but like even with the black magic class he only broke somebody's legs and hobbled them he didn't kill anybody i don't think he's experienced death in the same way she has and i think it shows here that she is very unfearful when it comes to death. What do you what are your thoughts on that? I disagree with that just a little bit because she's saying she's looking into his eyes and then she told that story about how her father did that with her mother that it almost implied that she had never dealt with death before and that she was trying to do that through Victor. Okay. So she was pretty novice when it comes to dealing with death. In that sense, to me, um, but that's definitely a common trait that we've seen with a lot of the other characters is Marcus is someone that's dealt with it, but everyone else is sort of putting on that facade here. And same thing with Victor, you know, he was just scared and didn't want to die, you know. Raise your hand here if when she leaned over him, we were all saying make out. No, do it. Come on. No, not after last episode. I still still ship them for some weird reason. I don't know. I won't give up. Goulash. I don't give up on love. I want her defending me if I ever get in trouble. (laughs) I won't give up. She has Chico. She has Victor. Go hard or go home. You want to know what, though? Victor and Petra. I think even after this moment of Victor having a moment with Petra and being on Death's Door, I still think it's not going to change him. I don't think this is going to be a redeeming moment where he goes back and he feels guilt for really what what he felt for doing to Petra. I think he's going to go back to the same selfish reasons that he was uh, doing this entire time. I don't think this is going to be a change for him. But I think there will be a change in the dynamic. I think there's always a change when he's among the other people, but I think the Agoge worked. Everyone in this detention, aside from Chico, kind of in some weird way has each other's backs now. They've dealt with death and faced it head-on with the Kuroki Warriors and have tried to cover each other's backs. And you can see a definite change in the view of everyone in the school as they look at Marcus at the end when the bodies are being taken out, Mm -hmm. and they're looking at him like some sort of badass. They're like, oh, damn. I agree. I think um, I think there was a lot of division. Sorry, I'll... no, you're good. You're good. I think there was a lot of division. You know, at the very the first couple of episodes here in the season, in terms of the different groups, the different gangs, so to speak. But it's sort of closing that gla- that gap a little bit slowly, um, especially in the last couple of episodes. And I think that's going to close a bit more, especially from what we've seen with Willie and Marcus and things like that. It's going to take some time. But I could see Victor maybe warming up a bit. I don't know. Coming together like and, two hands yeah. and their fingers interlocking? Well, like, <laughs> more like just respecting each other as okay. humans and maybe uh, teamwork, you know, working together. It makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. 
I would Marcus, um, he saved the whole thing. And I did say early on that he would be the hero. With the frying pan. Yes. Master, old girl was, I'm calling her old girl. Saya. (laughs) Saya was out. Master Lin, we didn't know what was going to happen, but he was outnumbered. Without Marcus jumping over with the frying pan. PUBG style. (laughs) Shout out to Angelica for the PUBG reference. (laughs) You're welcome. All the references. I so, just oh sorry yeah no go ahead in the chat I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Nas saying Petrator is Petrator. over that ship sunglass episode thank you Nas no. I agree with you technically they're fighting each other so it's more of a battleship pun jar let's move on to <laughs> Lin. <Hey. laughs> let's move on to Lynn and his wife I want to just preface something with this beforehand and then see your thoughts on it. She has a tattoo of one of the four mythical beasts, a white tiger on her back, which is usually the, like, it's Suzaku, like the... Suzaku, I think, is the dragon. Or the bird. Suzaku is the bird. I've seen Suzaku as the tiger. Maybe they interchange. But anyway, the white tiger, um, which is a very definite intro to her being a triad, uh, which I think is really cool, and she says that she's escaped. Do you think that she'll get back into the fold? Is she, like, hiding in an apartment somewhere, or is she, like, out? I'm confused as to what to think of this character. I'm kind of confused to think of any, like, the last two female characters that we've been introduced to, this g- woman and the the mistress from last week's episode. Yeah, because yeah. we don't we don't get we don't get a backstory in the mistress. If King's Dominion is like built to take out the legacies, the triads are part of the legacies, and now his side bay, whatever we want to call it, his bay is a triad or a former triad. So I'm kind of curious to learn more about her, and I hope we get more back. I want Lynn's backstory. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, he's told he's us his backstory, right, yeah. but like, I want like comic Lynn backstory. Yeah. I would love to get more backstory just because, again, going off of um, last week, like, some people were speculating, oh, is the mistress Lynn's sister? But Lynn kind of made this big uh, this big speech of how their family has been in this for generations, but it seems like he only got into it recently be- with the death of his wife and his daughter. Oh, it's Bayako. Bayako is the tiger. You're right. Suzaku is the... Is sorry. The, the phoenix thing? Yeah. Cool. Um, but, um... So it seems like he's getting into it recently. So I'm just kind of interested to see, like, oh, does he have a different perception or idea of how it should be played out from here on out than maybe the tradition of his family? Maybe that is his sister and she has a very, you know, she's carrying on the tradition, but he has an idea, a different idea. Who knows? You think that's his sister? Some, I was just saying um, some of the fans last week were speculating it was his sister. Isn't she topless in the scene? No. No. The tiger? She like shows the tiger tattoo? No. No, no. The the mistress from last week's episode. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. In My reference bad. Sorry. to the in reference I to I see Lynn's what you're saying. That why that's yeah. why they have such hero such a uh, history. Yeah. Got it. I apologize. I missed out on that part. Yeah, and in regards to Lynn, it's definitely I just piggybacking sort of off of that. Um, from episode one, we saw Lynn. He's so sure of himself, and now we've been seeing sort of that foundation crumble. Lynn is starting to question himself. He's questioning his colleagues. He's questioning his part partners, and you know, having a lot of uh, you know introspection in terms of his character. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of where he ends up towards the end of the season. Yeah, um, I'm really interested in seeing that because he is the one essentially or at least the face running King's Dominion. So a lot of that's going to be reflected on the students. 
Because he would have to see what just happened as a huge failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him leaving in all of, you know. Well, it's interesting, so, yeah. too, to play with what we were talking about earlier and that, like, the truth and, like, how the truth changes. And I think businesses are just, or schools in this way are just like people and that, like, there's a singular, singular truth. But then when there's a new person running it, the truth changes to what they're told it should be or what they believe it should be. Um, let's move on to Maria and Willie and Chico. This is more of a recap. There's not much to discuss. She got a passport from Willie. We see that Willie's willing to help Maria, which is interesting. Uh, so I don't think there's too much animosity between the two yet. Uh, I believe that Chico could create some animosity if he finds out who the comic came from. There was a mirror where it showed her putting the passport in her pocket, but it didn't look like Chico saw it. Do you think he saw that? Do you think he's aware? <laughs> It's kind of tough to tell with Chico. He's one of those characters that's very, mm, what's the word, very mischievous and calculating. So it's kind of hard to see. We didn't see any eye flick or anything like that in terms of, you know, the actual shot. But like you said, he could potentially trace where that comic came from. That being said, I feel like it's hard to make Willie's character seem bad or evil so uh good luck chico trying to manipulate that one i think she put it in the worst possible hiding spice because knowing chico where is he gonna put his hands exactly mm-hmm. and i don't mean that in like a weird way i just mean like it's literally what he does he like grabs her and then grabs her by the ass like mm-hmm. she he's gonna find that passport like in the next 10 seconds yeah so. It's very possible. Yeah. If, if it if she manages to keep it a secret, quite honestly, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I think it's definitely coming out. I think she probably comes back to her room and he has it in his hand or something like that. But I guess we will see. Sorry, that brings up another point that I'm curious about is I'm, like, obviously, Chico, Maria's going to feel the wrath of Chico if she tries to escape Chico, but I'm wondering if there's some consequence in trying to leave King's Dominion. Like, are they bound there by Master Lin because he wants them to become these assassins? What happens if they try and leave? Marcus can they just left leave? once. Can they just... They can was, leave. That wasn't, like, leave, leave, though. Yeah, he, like... Well, that was before, like, he was officially in there, and then he came back. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, these kids have been around for a while. Would there mm. be some form of punishment for them trying to leave with what they know? I think she's not only trying to escape Chico. She's probably trying to escape her family and her ties to the cartel, which even more so would have ramifications if she left. Uh, let's move on to Marcus and Saya, because we've been referencing the fingers interlocking... Uh, do you ship it? Yes. Mm. Eventually. I'm not, I'm not fully sure. I don't, (laughs) I'm trying to figure that part out. Um, I think Marcus is great in terms of bringing down, like, Saya's exterior, but I think she has her own demons to work out, and Marcus is just sort of, uh, I guess... He was brought into this from Saya, so it was definitely a love interest from the start on his side of things. But Saya has a lot to work out, so maybe it's just not my favorite thing to ship right now. But then again, I ship Petra and Victor, so what do I know? (laughs) He's going to break her down. He did what Chico will never do, which is I will stay. I'm going to risk my life. I'm not going to let them just take you. I mean, that's romantic. That was very romantic. Yes. So I think eventually she's very icy and, and she's set on her mission. If she was a businesswoman, she'd probably be type A. 
So I think that's what keeps her from kind of breaking down. But eventually, it's going to be a real kiss mm. or something. Do you uh, think she chooses Marcus over her sword, though? No. 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 It's no after <laughs> no. Then you don't ship it. I, no, I don't ship it right now at this moment. I think that Marcus is in the place where it's like he wants friends, he wants to feel included, he wants to you know get rid of bullies and all that stuff. And I think Saya is on her own mission, and I don't think that meshes well right now. Until like Angelica was saying, they work out their own issues and build up their characters more. Okay. I agree. I ship uh, Marcus and Maria more. Yeah, that's what I am shipping. That way we can just have the ship name be Maria. Mm -hmm. Leave it at that. Maria kiss? Mariakis. Mariakis! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's go ahead and talk about Billy and his backstory. The most tragic thing in this episode, except for Jaden dying. Yo, Jaden had six kids. What? What? <laughs> were, were, were the were the, de- were the detentionees his children? No, he straight up had six kids, two wives, a dying grandmother in the hospital that he That's paid made for his, her treatment. His departure from the show so tragic. Yeah, Jaden mm. is the most tragic character of all because now everyone who he's taking care of, all those orphans, will die, mm-hmm. starving to death in a box outside. Jaden, of- come on the show. Tell us your backstory. <laughs> Honestly, we'll remember Jaden more so than we'll remember any other side character the rest of the season. Unless they die. Jaden. Jaden. R.I.P. Billy and his backstory were introduced in a very, um, who's the guy who does Sin City? Guillermo? Not Guillermo. It's not Guillermo? I don't know then. Uh, Zack Snyder. Is it Zack Snyder? In a very Zack Snyder way, we're introduced to Billy's father. Uh, we have the cigarette being put out in the macaroni and cheese, which was made with mayo, not milk. Mm. And then uh, the way that it just kind of shows the, the waist up and everything. I like the direction style. I thought it was really cool when they bring it into the comics and then real life and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're introduced that he has a brother, which is really sad. Because mm-hmm. the brother is dealing with whatever Billy's not there for. The brother's going to take the brunt of it. And Billy yeah. says that he's, yeah, his family will not survive him. He had a chance to kill his father. He didn't take it. Marcus responds in tears, saying, well, you love your dad. And Billy's like, nah, I want to kill mm-hmm. my dad. Road trip, motherfuckers. Road trip! Um, I have to say, oh. it was a great delivery, and obviously mm-hmm. this is a huge throw to Breakfast Club. The whole episode was a big throw to Breakfast Club with the detention, and now with the jock uh, monologue at the end, basically Billy reliving, like, uh, you're not good enough, you got to be on the football team, you got to be that, basically that version of him. So we get that ending. What did you think of his backstory? Did you think this nice, sensitive character was going to have such a dark history and past to lead him to being a rat? All yes. of the rats had a dark past. Frank Miller, thank you. I, that's what I meant. There we and go. And that makes you more sensitive if you're not a Chico type of personality that likes to blame other people or... Put, Live on fear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It makes you more sensitive, so I think that's why he's sensitive. Right. Because of that. Yeah, um, from what we've seen so far, all of the rats have that tragic backstory. Um, we saw Petra's as well, and it was just as tragic. Obviously, I think um, Billy's delivery of it, I teared up. I choked up a little bit. Oh, that was an that. amazing delivery when he was uh, sort of acting it out. Um, you know, so to speak, uh, on the show, or you know what I'm saying, for yep. Marcus. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was incredibly tragic. I did like how they brought in a sort of comic book style. The anonymity of the father or the dad character really made it a lot more ominous and a lot more threatening. I liked that as well. And yeah, it was it was a rough scene. That was probably the, one of the roughest scenes I, I think I've ever seen on this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just have to agree. I think performance-wise, it was amazing. And I also want to give a shout-out to Lana Condor when she had to, like, stab her cousin. She teared up and then had to quickly, like, suck it back in because yeah. she's tough. I just thought these two performances were really standout this uh, episode. And I think it makes it, it makes it even more tragic because, I don't know about you guys, but I find... Uh, other than Willie, Billy to be the most kind-hearted character. So the fact that this you, we see him in this very vulnerable mm-hmm. spot is what made it even worse. And so, we learn he's there to pay off a debt. So uh, really quick one-line predictions because we're out of time, unfortunately. But we had a lot more time to discuss this episode, mm-hmm. which I really loved. Uh, three things I'll bring up. Uh, Fuckface is now at Shabnam's house. He's got the drug dealer by the leash, which is a great little reveal. Um, also, we had the great wasted years scene with the with the drug dealer at Shabnam's house in the beginning, r- pulling risky business. And, of course, uh, Saya mentioning that her cousin was the one who was hardest on her because he wanted her to succeed more. Uh, her brother wants her, so I'm kind of curious where her brother's going to come in and if Yukio is working for her brother or working for some greater organization. So my prediction is that we're going to meet Saya's brother within the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. Prediction? Mm. Oh, this is, this is tough. I have a lot in my mind right now. So Willie and... Um... Marcus contention because abusers find out everything. So Chico's going to find out there's going to be some contention there. I think Saya and Marcus will get a little closer. Maybe not ship, but I think that's a lot of vulnerability that happened between them two and th- those two, and they'll get a little closer together. And uh, that's all I have right now. Uh, quick one. I think Lynn is definitely going to be shaken up a little bit more, and he's he's going to start making some changes around the school and some changes within himself, and also Jaden is going to stay dead. Hell yeah. <laughs> that is a, you know what, I also think Jaden will probably stay dead. Um, guys, Vegas is wild. All right. say. Let's do it, guys. We'll see you next week. We have special guests we will announce on our Twitter, so where can we find you on Twitter to know where these special guests will be? Hey everyone, Veronica Valencia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. I'm Angelica Trey. You can find me at A-Trey, A-Y-Y-T-R-A-E on most every platform. I'm Raven French, and you can find me Raven French on every platform. And I'm Stephen Lemieux. I'm at Stephen Lemieux on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in, and it's going to be a really packed show next week, so make sure you stay tuned in Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Might do a watch along. We'll let you know. Take care, guys. Until next week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz, see you later.